Now is the time for the leader to qualify. Um, okay, she says, stand. Hi, I'm Linda. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I will circulate this elegant Ziploc um, <laughs> photo. The first photo is uh, when I was uh, uh, new to this country, fresh off the plane weighing about 110 pounds. The other one is uh, before I came to this program, I think I was about, so the, 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 the fresh up the plane picture, I think I weighed about 110 pounds. And then right before I came, probably I was like 160 pounds. And right now I weigh between 135 and 140. And I came to the program in April, 2012, but 10 years ago, and it took me about a month to get abstinent. And my first abstinence, I think I, it's the same, it was no recreational sugar, and I didn't know that was going to be my abstinence because I didn't know what my food issues were. I just knew that my I was overweight, and more importantly, uh, my uh, numbers were not good. Uh, when I go to see the doctor and do the annual lab test, even though I was not, you know, two, three hundred pounds heavy, I was maybe 160 heavy, but my triglyceride level, cholesterol level, everything was just, I was pretty much pre-diabetic. And it was because my main food group was starch, carb, and rice and pasta, pretty much ice cream and chocolate, and almond croissant. Those were my primary food groups. So my numbers were really bad. You know, I just I was I couldn't eat the whole pizza, but every morning I had to go and get the, that almond croissant. So. Um, so, and I, I'm a serial 12-step programmer, but OA is my primary program, and it's been my longest tenure in OA, 10 years. Uh, before OA, I was in Al-Anon for maybe 9, 10 years. My husband uh, is now sober. He, ha he has been sober for 20 years, but when I first went to Al-Anon, um, he was really, really active uh, alcoholic, and uh, uh, we have we have a baby. I mean, she's 21 now, but uh, she was uh, a year old, and uh, um, we got married late. We I got married in my 30s, and then uh, I had a baby when I was almost 39, and. Um, I was always a compulsive overeater, but I was a smoker. And when I was uh, pregnant, I immediately stopped smoking. Uh, and I thought that was over. But then when I started going to um, Alana meetings, I got so nervous and I started smoking again. And I shared about my smoking. Um, yeah at the Alano meeting and uh, uh, somebody told me to go to, uh, you cannot share about your smoking in Alano meeting, that's not right. So I didn't know that, you know, there is a kosher behavior and non-kosher behavior in 12-step programs. So, um, so anyway, I got help, so I went to Nicotin Anonymous and that, I got 
I stopped smoking and within a month and I never went back. And, and, and with the food, I cannot say that. There are times after 10 years later, I'm still struggling. And only a few, uh, last month, I still wasn't sure what my abstinence was because I wasn't changing things and I didn't like the result. Uh, I became a little bit more liberal over the holidays. When January comes, I didn't like the outcome. So it, it, I had to readjust my uh, abstinence. So food is, seems to be the biggest challenge. And also, um, um, at, while working away program, uh, about maybe five, six years ago, my husband lost his job and uh, we were in deep financial trouble and we both always made a lot of money but we had no idea whether money was coming or going we were paying everyone we had somebody who picked up our daughter english tutor ap physics tutor you know taekwondo ballet and uh, somebody who does laundry for us i mean it was, we were just living crazy lives and so I went to a money program. I don't go there anymore. But again, after going to the meeting and learning how to do the numbers and having clarity about financial issues, I cannot say I'm cured. I'm still a fairly uh, uh, serious shopper, but I don't have a financial problems. So food has been <laughs> the ongoing uh, issue. There are times that food is not an issue, and there are times Food is an issue. And I spoke at this meeting um, uh, December 2019. And, and you may wonder, wow, you know, how does she remember that? It's because uh, I spoke here in December 2019 and January 2020, I led a very big workshop at the OA uh, birthday. And there were like, I don't know, 150, 200 people totally packed and some people were like sitting on the floor. So my ego got like this big and oh my God, you know, uh, anyway, and that, that, so OA birthday was maybe like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, weekend, like let's say, uh, January 14th or 15th. The following Tuesday, I led a very uh, big uh, professional event at Lowry's right here in Beverly Hills. And right there uh, at the dignitaries who were sitting at the, you know, the front table and I produced the program for the professional event. And when the dignitaries went to the podium to speak, then I started eating the strawberry whipped cream cake. And uh, at first I just wanted to pick the fruit and then it became the whipped cream. And by then I'm like, oh, what the, you know, you know what. <laughs> so, so I ate the whole cake. So uh, that's how I broke my abstinence uh, um, January 2020. And then the pandemic hit and I got abstinence um, immediately after the, the cake incident. And in fact, the guys at my Sunday morning Studio City meeting Somebody said that, you know, Linda and her cheesecake incident could be a good rock, rock band name. So, uh, so, so, uh, so, but it was such a, uh, I mean, the last two years have been really interesting. But going back to the beginning of OA program, in case there are some newcomers, 
So I didn't know what my issues were. I knew my numbers were bad. Uh, so I, you know, coming from Al-Anon to OA, uh, you know, I started talking to people and I thought that OA was not very user friendly. So, uh, um, you know, in Al-Anon or AA, you go there, they, you know, invite you to their, you know, kid's birthday party, wife's birthday party, you know, you hang out at their swimming pool and eat donuts and cakes and here you come and no one, I mean, no one hardly talked to me. And I would like approach and, you know, ask them questions and, you know, stupid questions like, what would be my abstinence? They're like, you know, how would they know what my abstinence should be, you know? In hindsight, it's a stupid question. I mean, not stupid to a newcomer. But, you know, they're like, do you have a sponsor? I'm like, well, I'm trying to engage in a conversation. You got a date first before you hit the sack, you know? It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, like I didn't verbalize it. But that was, I'm thinking like, duh, you know? Hello, we are talking. And you are like, do you have a sponsor? Like, you know, yeah, it's like, uh, okay, so that's, uh, but I endured because of my sugar problem was so bad. Um, so, I mean, I, by that, my problem was bad, but the week when I came in April 2012, what, what brought me really was the week before, it was uh, uh, on a weekend, uh, after working really hard the whole week, that weekend, right before I came to OA, I did five different grocery shopping. It was a Costco, Korean grocery, and I had to have a um, certain game. I mean, you know, the bird, not chicken, but something smaller. Uh, I can't think of the name. Quail, yeah. So I know an Armenian grocery on Glendale and Chevy so I had to drive to Glendale to get the quail. And then I went to go to Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. So the whole weekend became grocery shopping, unpacking, cooking, driving, cleaning, cooking, dishwashes. And by Sunday night, I was exhausted. And, and I'm like, there is something wrong here, you know? Who would spend this kind of a time and money and chopping food and doing dishes and cooking and thinking about the menus and recipes, you know? It was like completely consumed with the thoughts about food, 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 like there's nothing else in life. So that's what I brought, that's what brought me to OA. And then I started working actually pretty good program. And one thing I really admire about OA is the discipline. I have not seen such hardworking 12-step fellows as in OA. I mean, one time when I was still looking for a sponsor, I, I had a really hard time finding a sponsor, you know, because they were all asking me, do you have a sponsor when I'm trying to find a sponsor? Uh, and um, now I forgot what I was going to say. So anyway, uh, I, so I called a lady, very nice old lady, and she got me abstinent. She said, what do you think is your biggest problem? My first answer, without thinking, was sugar. She said, can you not eat sugar one day? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, how, how any human can survive a day without sugar, you know? So anyway, she said, just call me every day, and it took me a week, and eventually I got uh, abstinent. 
And it was a really a miracle. I didn't know that I could survive a day without, you know, reaching out to chocolate. Chocolate was my, you know, the love of my life. Um, and, and, and then I eventually found a sponsor, but, uh, when I tried to find a sponsor, somebody told me, um, can you call me at six, at six tomorrow so we can discuss? Okay. So I call her at six. She doesn't answer the phone. I call her two, three, four times. Uh, I email her. I text her. She doesn't even respond. So finally, I don't know why she responded. She said, you didn't call me. I said, I called you. Look at my text <laughs> phone record. I called you at 6, 6.02, She said, no, I wanted you to call me at 6 a.m. Uh, I'm like, I never heard such thing. <laughs> I mean, who would call a sponsor at 6 a.m.? I mean, at least the people I used to hang out in Eleanor, no one called their sponsor at 6 a.m. They didn't even wake up at 6, and uh, let alone call everyone. And then eventually I found a temporary sponsor, and she told me to send her everything I ate that day. And I was like, oh my God, I look at her like a child molester. It's like, a, oh my, who would even want to report? Anyway, but that was a long time ago. So now I work my butt off in the program. I've been doing this for like, you know, almost 10 years. So I call my sponsor at 8 o'clock on time. And I read all the paragraph that I read the night before and what I wrote. And I usually write from one or two pages. And then, and I help out other fellows. I have a service commitment at meetings, uh, in-person meeting now. And, uh, and then at night I read one paragraph. I write about it. And then I do the, you know, some of you probably heard about it, the long format 10th step that has like 25 questions from, you know, the big book. It, it did ask questions like whatever, page 86 or 87, you know, was I resentful, was I fearful, what could I have done better, you know, what, what am I afraid of? And I do a very, very detailed one, uh, what am I grateful for? So that's how I work the program. And my life has been really, I live a life beyond my wildest dream. And I mean, you know, think about, look at us. I mean, this is such a beautiful location and beautiful room. And instead of eating donuts, we are here and working the program. But this is kind of irrelevant. But I mean, the location here is so good. And I always had the theory that Department of Water and Power and Episcopal churches have the best real estate. <laughs> and uh, this is just such a great location. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of irrelevant things, but OA allowed me to give the, it gave me the financial, physical, emotional, well with all. So I can afford to do a lot of things I want to do. And one of the things in my bucket list was uh, going to an AA meeting in Deep South. And, 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 and I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm not even an alcoholic, but I wanted to do that. And then I heard on podcast that the Bridgeport Museum in Arkansas is beautiful. So I combined that trip and we went to, you know, Missouri and Arkansas. I went to the Ozark. I always wanted to hike in the 
deep in the Uzak forest, so I hiked there. And then I went to an AA meeting. My husband didn't want to come, even though he's, he's a sober AA. So he stayed in a hotel. I drove my rental car, and I went to an AA meeting. And it was so much fun. And, uh, <laughs> and, and um, so now I can do a lot of things. And what's standing between me and doing a lot of fun stuff I want to do is this stupid uh, pandemic. So I'm like physically aching to go to places I want to go, but you know, I haven't been able to do that. Um, I also in in terms of food, uh, it, it evolved, and there were times that I even did the paleo and lost more weight, but that didn't last long. There were times I tried to be plant based, vegan, and that didn't last long. So in, in terms of a food, I pretty much eat moderate food or a little bit of a meat, but a lot of vegetables. I eat rice. Uh, I try to stay away from gluten and dairy, but I'm not good at 100%. Uh, my, I really physically changed a lot. I, I, I only lost like 20, 25 pounds. But physically, I'm healthier than when I was 25 years old. I have so much energy. I'm like, I wake up, I work the program, I work long hours, I go to the gym, I come home, and uh, sometimes uh, I do a lot of projects in the middle of the night. I need, I read, and I cook, and you know, I learn how to cook different foods. I I make really good. Uh, Lasagna, I make good like Persian food, tadik. I know how to make them all. Uh, so I have a lot of energy and I used to go to work, come home, put my feet up on the coffee table, tired, I didn't have energy for anything. And now I just have so, I became an energizer bunny. And uh, I exercise four or five times a week, maybe sometimes more. Uh, but I used to hate exercising. And what allowed me to exercise was uh, one day I was uh, listening to my former sponsor on podcast. She was talking at a um, candlelight meeting and somebody asked her, what kind of exercise do you do? And she said, oh, I have to do cardio, honey. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I thought that I heard on, uh, from my doctor that women over 40, 40 needs to do strength training, not cardio, and I hate strength training. But when she said that, it gave me a permission to do cardio. So I got into cardio, and right before pandemic, without knowing there would be a pandemic, I got a Peloton bike so that I don't have to pay for the gym, and I became a Peloton bike chick, and then I still, <laughs> I still wanted the, uh, the strength training, and then out of the blue at my gym, I found this guy at 5.30, Friday 5.30. He's really bitchy and mean, but he's passionate. He comes and adjusts your pose and tell you, make it look like a plank. And uh, if I bring a seven-pounder dumbbell, he says, excuse me, you know, this is a strength training. You're not going to get strength over seven pounds. I'm like, so, so I'm in love with him. So I show up at 5.30 every Friday. I do strength training. I think it's fun. So who would have thought that I would like strength training? But 
the more I work the program, the more uh, I I open up, and and then just like finding a sponsor, we I I just do the footwork, and then a coach shows up when I'm ready to the strength of training. So I just you know I'm extremely grateful. I am. Uh, thankful that uh, a fellow invited me to speak, and uh, so that's all I have to say. Thank you. Uh, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of overleaders anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. I remember when you spoke in 2019 and you were great. And you were great today. Where did you get the energy? Because I'm like your before picture. Go to work, go home, and lay there. So I think it's a contrary action. I did not like to exercise. But when I exercise, so, so when I told my sponsor at that time, 10 years ago, that I do not like to exercise, so she said that she doesn't like it either, but as soon as her head tells her that, oh, you know what, I'm not gonna go to the gym, she said that she put shoelaces on. I'm like, who do that, you know? When your head says, oh, I don't need to work out today, who would put, you know, tennis shoes and start getting ready? But I think that's, uh, that planted a seed in me, and eventually it took several years. So what I do now is I pack the night before because I work long hours, and if I try to get ready in the morning, it ain't going to happen. So the night before I go to work, I pack the gym bag, and and my 12-step tote bag that has uh, the book and notebook and pen. And so I plan so that it's really easy for me to execute the next day. There is not much thinking involved. So when I wake up in the morning and just grab coffee and take shower, I have my purse, gym bag, and 12-step bag. I have three bags when I'm in the car. So once I have the... Uh, gym bag, it's easy for me uh, not to ditch the workout after work. I also have, uh, sometimes I forget to bring my gym bag, so I have a second gym bag in my car trunk, so that if I forget to bring my regular gym bag, there is a backup inexpensive tennis shoes, you know, like Marshalls or Payless shoes and, you know, t-shirt and leggings, so I still have no excuse. So, uh, so eating healthy food and and exercising, and I think that the doing the long tenth step and just uh, giving away all my embarrassment and uh, shame and fear, I think it does some kind of cleansing every day. And I sleep through the night really well, 
So food, sleep, uh, exercise, mental health, working the program spiritually, that's my guess. You know, I don't know why I have this kind of energy because I certainly did not have it even when I was 25 years old. So this is a totally Linda 2.0. This is not, <laughs> this is not how I came to this world. Yeah. Thank you so much for your share. I was really, I really got a lot out of it. Can you share more about the spiritual side of your program? Yes. So um, the spiritual side is uh, uh, reading and writing and talking to my sponsor every day and meditating every day. And I have a lot of uh, um, spiritual teachers on cyberspace. They don't know I exist. But uh, 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 they are teachers somewhere in San Diego, Washington, D.C., Cambridge, Massachusetts. And then uh, my sponsor, to- oh, and then somebody told me, that, oh, when I told them who they are, she says, oh, you are a Jew boo. And I didn't know what it was. It's a Jewish Buddhist. So, <laughs> so I'm a Jew boo, yeah. <laughs> So I listen to a lot of teachers. I do guided meditation. And uh, and then I try to do something at least once a year to go on a retreat. And uh, before the pandemic in the fall of 2019, I went to a, a, a Buddhist temple by myself and stayed on an island for several days. And... Uh, this year, I uh, I also did something online once a week, uh, and I also read uh, a lot of spiritual books. And uh, and the thing is, my mother tried to make me a Buddhist when I grew up in Korea without success. And uh, I mean, you know, at that time, now they have a very good uh, uh, hip teachers. But at that time, when I grew up in the 70s and 80s, if you go to Buddhist temple, the monks were like from the mountain and they never got training in public speech. And it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't even know what they're talking about. So, so that was not, attra- that was not attraction. So, uh, I had a really hard time and then, oh my God, I shopped around for religion all over. I even went to some, Islamic temple in South Central LA and uh, depending on who I was dating and uh, <laughs> but, but always my spiritual center and I think it is the most democratic non-dominational you know uh, ecumenical every time I want to say the word ecumenical I want to say epicurean and I'm like oh you know not everything needs to be about food, you know? <laughs> so, you know, so, and my sponsor who works a strong program and talking to her 15 minutes every day, rain or shine, um, I think, and meditation, that's my primary spiritual practice. Yeah. Thank, you. Uh, thank you so much for your lead. I have a two-part question. So one, what was like your spiritual condition of practice leading up to your relapse? of the cake, and then second is, what were the action steps you took once you had the cake to kind of get back on 
So the question was, uh, what was uh, the precondition before I relapsed and what actions I took? Thank you for the excellent question. Uh, you know what they say is the prequel. Uh, there was, uh, 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 the, the precondition was basically ego, you know, uh, speaking at this meeting, leading a big, uh, workshop at the OA birthday, and, and, and feel like I have arrived, you know, I, this is not a food, this is not a problem. But interestingly, what I did after I relapsed that, that cheesecake incident, I did a lot of writing, but the writing, I think, is also, I forgot to mention, is the most important thing. You can go to as many meetings as you like, but when I sponsor people, my God, it's like one out of ten person are willing to read and write every day. And when they sometimes read, it's like two, three sentences. You cannot recover from disease if you are willing to write only two, three sentences a day. And I'm not talking about newcomers. I'm talking about people who are professional 12-steppers who have been in and out of different programs for decades and know all the buzzwords and lingos. And uh, Anyway, so I wrote a lot after that incident, and it was amazing what came out. What happened was that I had to become a partner uh, uh that time, right, I got promoted in December, so I got promoted, I got to speak at Kitchen Sink, life was good in December 2019 and early January 2020, but I was what they call a service partner working on other people's client matters, and I settled a huge case at that time, and my workload dropped, and I didn't know that you are supposed to bring business. And, and no one taught me that when I went to graduate school. And in January, when the cake incident happened, unbeknownst to me, I was very scared. I knew the heat was on, but I didn't know why. It was a primary fear um, that, shit, I'm in a shitty situation. <laughs> Somebody's going to catch my numbers. And it did happen in February uh, after I broke my abstinence. After the reading, I realized that professionally I was in a really bad spot and I couldn't articulate it, but Cheesecake was smarter than me. He knew that I was in a shitty spot and that primal fear, like, ooh, you know, over there, there may be lion is coming kind of feeling. Cheesecake knew that, ooh, you know, that's gonna make me feel comfortable for, you know, but it lasts a few minutes. So through the writing, I realized that I was concerned about my position in my career. You know, am I gonna be fired? Am I, am, am I gonna get business? Am I gonna, you, you know, successful? Oh my God, do I need to look for a, you know, sublease at a, you know, a strip mall in Koreatown or something, yeah, all, all sorts of fears, and and that all came from writing. And I, you know, a lot of times when I write, I don't want to write. And first half of pages, the truth doesn't come out, at least for me. And it's only when I get into second or third page, then shit starts really coming out, gunk, and you know, I was like, oh, this is why I ate, and. And what do I do? Uh, 
get asked for help, footwork, talk to my sponsor, the fellows, and then I actually hire the business coach because uh, you can do the program without a sponsor, right? I cannot practice my profession without a business coach. So, so um, I've been having the coach for two years, and I don't know if he's uh, teaching me anything, but my revenue is like <laughs> doubled every year. So, so last year I had the best year, and uh, um, so yeah. It's a prequel. It's ego and fear for me, and then and then the only way I can really address the issue is talking about it and writing about it. Yeah. So um, I happened to look at the big book front page and I saw about 40 different character defects I wrote when I was new in Al-Anon. It was on a like, fourth strip retreat. And because when you are really new in 12-step program, you don't even know what your character defects are. So they gave me examples of 40 different, you know, 50 shades of character defects. So, uh, so um, and now when I look at it, I think my sponsor told me that you can distill that into fear and ego. And, and, and it's all about fear and ego. And, and you know, when a cheesecake talks to me, a, my ego is already bruised or it can sense that it's going to be bruised. Somebody will look at my numbers and find out who, you know, <laughs> you are a lightweight, you know, uh, and fear, you know, uh, I will lose this. Um, and I think that those are the two primary things. And uh, a lot of times uh, we don't know. Um, and resentment, yeah, resentment, that's a huge one, yeah, like, before that cheesecake, one time I actually broke my abstinence once over popcorn, and I didn't know why I ate the popcorn in my car, and it turned out that I was resentful towards my daughter for making me drive all the way after work late at night. She was having a play date at somebody in Van Nuys, and then she says, oh, my friend, and... Her father wanted me to go to 99 cent store on Sherman Way, so you know I'm schlepping from Century City to Van Nuys, and, and then and she had to go to Ralph's in Sherman Oaks. I'm at the parking lot, and I ate the popcorn, and I didn't know why I ate popcorn because there was no bad incident during the day. It was over stupid things like having to drive at nine o'clock at night from Century City to 99 cent store in Van Nuys, things like that. Uh, so fear and resentment, yeah, ego and fear, yeah. Thank you. Uh, how do, what role do the traditions play in your everyday life? Yeah, uh, that's a big one, and I had a lot of resentment towards my husband. Uh, um, he, uh, he's been sober for 20 years, but when he first got sober, he couldn't work for about a year and a half. And uh, he just went to AA meetings all day. And in fact, when he was in in, in uh, detox center, I lost my job. They fired me. That was my last employer. 
So I had this two-year-old baby, and my husband is in detox, and I got fired. Uh, so things like that gave me a lot of legit reasons to be resentful. But I fortunately, I have a very good sponsor, and I try to incorporate uh, the traditions and, and, and in my marriage and my business. And uh, my last sponsor was uh, 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 a daily waitress. <laughs> and she, I explained to her all the problems I was having with my boss. And she told me, oh, honey, I don't have all these fancy degrees like you. But instead of complaining about this person, can you pray for her 21 days? And, and I, oh my goodness, uh, I'd rather get her like that, you know, yeah, whatever. That, I'd rather go to a dental chair. But I did that for 21 days. And then, like, the tears started coming out. And what I realized that because that person who is very critical, I became a very strategic thinker. I, I always had to be two steps ahead of her so that when she attacks me, I will explain why I did this and why we need to do this thing and that thing. And I'm like, oh my God, she's been my coach or business sponsor and I didn't appreciate it. All I did was just being ungrateful and criticize her personality. And I don't know what changed. The whole relationship changed after that. Um, and same thing with my sponsor, uh, my husband. Uh, I just have to be, uh, some, I mean, he doesn't like to do, do dishes and I bitch and moan about his not doing dishes. Like, you know, okay, I bring home the bacon. I cook the bacon. <laughs> At least don't let me freaking wash the bacon plate, you know? <sighs> but, but, I, can honestly say that I am a loving, kind wife. And I had so much problem about his not bringing as much money, not having a full-time job. And I realized it's the best thing because uh, he works part-time now and there is a peace in the family. When there is a contractor or a cable guy needs to come, we don't have to fight over, well, I have a more important thing than you do. Why can't you be home at nine o'clock? You know, they give you a five hour window, not just one hour. We don't have to fight over it. And unbeknownst to us, it was the best thing. Tax-wise, it's better, you know? He gets 1099, so we can write up a lot of stuff. Uh, families are uh, quiet and happy. And, and, and we didn't know that we could live on my income alone. I just thought that in LA, that's not possible. You have to have a two income. But now he's busy actually. Just when I don't expect him to bring money, now he brings more money. So it just works in very mysterious way when we do the steps. Yeah. Hi, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't hear your question. So, so just speaking to the kitchen sink today, what are you doing, what are you going to do to, so your ego doesn't get the best of you? Oh, my ego has been so deflated uh, lately, so I don't think uh, I would, 
you know, the experience, you know, the last, last experience told me what can happen. So, it, 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 it's not going to be inflated like last time, but I would say that I just do work the program. I cannot think of anything, uh, I will do anything different, but just do service and work the program, And but the experience is the best thing. I know what can happen when my ego gets big, yeah. talking to people and you wanted them to sort of just offer it to be your sponsor when you first came. Uh, did, were you, did you have trouble asking somebody to be your sponsor? Did, or how did you end up finding No, it's just uh, I wanted, there were quite a few people that I wanted them to be sponsored, but they were all busy and I didn't know at that time that unlike in AA and Alano where people can sponsor 30 people here, the sponsors commit their time, like 8 o'clock every day and 8.15 every day, so they cannot sponsor a dozen people. My sponsor has eight sponsors from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., so that's the maximum. Eight is the number. She cannot take more than eight. And so, you know, uh, if you expect your sponsee to call once a week, yeah, you can sponsor 500 people, but the people I, I asked, they all were giving very substantial amount of time to their sponsor each day, so they couldn't take more sponsees. So now I know, but I thought at that time, I thought they were just mean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's 9.15, now is the time for secretary's announcements. <laughs> <laughs>